Welcome back, everybody, to Double Down with Breslow, the show that covers the business of sports betting. And one of the most critical areas of that, I would argue, is in the area of sports handicapping. Uh, it oftentimes drives the wagers and um, makes encourages people to play and makes it easier to play. And sometimes they resort to the use of experts like our friend of the show, Richard Frazier of phrasewins.com, phrasewins.com, F-R-A-Z-W-I-N-S.com. Go check it out. Uh, he's offering picks for the first time in a long time, and we've had him on the show before. Friend of the show, Rich, thanks for coming back on. My pleasure, Jim. Nice to see you. So let's talk about how Phrase Wins is doing this year. We, we we talked just before the season started, and I told you that I was going to be following it very closely and that we would report back to our listeners how things are doing. I feel like we're getting a little bit of the inside uh, of how handicappers work and how they do and also the business of it as far as how you're getting players because there's a little chicken and the egg thing going on where people are – you need you, you, you need players to – fund your business but if you're not winning you're going to have a trouble getting players and i know you started the season by offering free picks to people to kind of uh, build your build your resume before you started asking them to to pay you a weekly sum for the pick so just w- walk us through how it's how it's going so far since we're almost halfway through the nfl season well so far through the season uh i i am profitable um i give out three picks a week as you know and uh the the system the program itself which is developed by pro consulting my consulting company is is sitting at 14 wins 10 losses and three ties now we're profitable is that uh eye-catching by by any stretch of the imagination no it's uh, it's been a, a little frustrating, and I I've heard this from from other people in the business, but this is my first time jumping back into it on a uh, a professional level. Uh, I've I haven't really uh, marketed my services for four or five years, basically since gambling has spread throughout the uh, the country. So. I've basically been using the the old template of my program, which was extremely successful, as we talked about in the past. And would I like to see better results up to this point? Yeah. Is there something wrong with the program itself? I I don't necessarily think so. I, I do think it's important to go back in and, and make certain tweaks based on uh, changes you see in data and results. Uh, which uh, we constantly address uh, on a, on a weekly basis, but we we don't overreact to uh, any one particular week's results. Uh, I, I certainly would if I was in the sitting in a negative right now. Uh, but but being that that I'm I'm on the plus side and we still have basically a half a season to go, I'm not I'm not worried about that too much. I well, I, I it- do. It seems to me in your business, there's kind of two elements of your business. One is you need to be successful as far as the picks that you're providing. And the other is the whole marketing side of it, right, is is getting the word out, which is the hardest part of any business. And one thing I notice about you that I appreciate is that, you know, you're an open book. You are letting everyone know what your picks are for this upcoming 
weekend, your your three picks. So anybody could track you. It seems to me there's a lot of handicappers out there that play a lot of hide the ball and you can't really trust when they tell you, you know, that they're at 70% for the season or 80% at the season. There's no way to really confirm that because they're not showing everybody their picks in advance. They're making you pay for the picks. They might be giving out some free picks that they say, oh, these are my one-star picks, but to get my five-star picks, you gotta you got to pay me. That's all behind a wall. There's no way to really verify uh, how they're doing. Yeah, and, and my... In, in my system, I started out thinking that, that phrasewins.com is basically the digital arm of Pro Consulting, my main company. And the way the season has gone, we've it's kind of split where I have my digital people who sign up and subscribe through my website, which I give that information out for free. Then I have the pro consulting side that actually manages money for guys that are a little more on the professional side, not necessarily the casual betters. So uh, the people that I deal with directly on the cash side, I can tell them what number I want to get on a particular game. And based on my success, I get paid a certain percentage on that. Whereas on the digital side of it, these people are getting an email from me with my picks, with the line of the game that it, that it is at that particular time. And lines move, as we know, because I try to get these games out to people by Thursday or Friday so they have time to get their wagers down. But uh, hence the, uh, you know, I have uh, officially I have three pushes, but these other people, those pushes could turn into losses or they could turn into wins, depending on if the line moves for me or against me. But but on the uh, the digital side of it, it's been a tough go of it. I'll be honest. Yeah, as I said, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing that you're, you know, you got to build the resume and demonstrate that you've been winning before people are going to pay you. And, you know, you've been putting it out there and, um, you know, it's 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 not easy. Um, And I, I think that you're up against competitors who are probably fudging a lot of their numbers and and putting things out there to players, uh, certain winning percentages that just aren't correct and in the meantime you know you, you you've been an open book and as you said you, you've got a winning record so far but if somebody's looking at 14 and 10 and somebody else is advertising that we're 18 and 2 <laughs> that's oh, hard yeah. to compete against it is it is which is uh why i'm uh i i've decided to to join up with uh with a guy that's a little more well versed in in, in marketing and uh, by by doing so, I I think that it'll uh, enhances enhance Frage Wins's reach and 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 get me into the uh, the the hands or the eyes of of a lot more people. So by by doing that, I'm I'm hoping to to build on the digital side of things a little more. Mm-hmm. So and then walk us through how you feel your methodology has been working. This has been a tried and true method that you've used for a number of years, as we've talked about before, um, to great success. What are you seeing this year? Um, tell us a little bit first about the methodology of pro consulting. Well, I mean, we we use number sampling and, and historical point spread data to kind of figure out which numbers are due to balance in terms of point spreads. And and when the market was just here in Las Vegas, it was 
from my standpoint anyway, not for everybody else's, I guess, but uh, it, it was a little more predictable because uh, you knew who the major players were in town. Uh, you knew that money moved lines. You know that a line moved indicated that money was needed to get on the reverse side of that game for the books to be balanced. But since the the industry has grown all over the place, you don't necessarily see the same correlation with line moves and amount of money being bet on a certain team. And I, I find that very odd. Uh, but by the same token, Las Vegas, when I started in this business, the, the sports books were all run by ex-bookies that were from back east and moved out here and got jobs because they had sharp pencils and they knew how to set a line and they knew how to move a line. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think we got these young tech guys now that are coming up with algorithms that are saying, hey, this number should be at this. Regardless of where the money's going, this is what we're going to set the line at. You know, if we need, need to adjust it a half a point or a point here and there, we'll do that. But, but you don't necessarily see a direct correlation between line moves and where the money's coming. Mm -hmm. I find that very strange. And who are those decision makers today? Are those people mostly still in Vegas or because we've got DraftKings and FanDuel in New York and L.A. and Europe and this and that? Are these decisions being made somewhere else? I, I think the smarter decisions are still being made in Las Vegas, but the the percentage of the amount of money being out there bet is becoming smaller and smaller in Vegas as DraftKings, FanDuel, Fanatics, whoever else is out there continues to grow. I think Vegas is becoming a smaller market in terms mm -hmm. of that. And what what is the primary thing going into your picks Right now, when, when you're about to release your three picks for this weekend, those three teams, you're going to pick them because why? Well, first off, I run them through the, the computer program. The computer program will, will give me maybe three or four or five games. If it, if it just gives me three games, then it's very simple for me. But if it gives me five games that, that, that are due for a correction, meaning that there's value in a number that's priced uh wrong uh in terms of the point spread then that i have to narrow it down to the three that i want to give out because as i mentioned before the program shows that there's no value in going any deeper than three in terms of the amount of picks i give out because well, but but three. what is the and I, I don't think we covered this before but but if i, I did we're doing it again but what is the secret sauce to extent you can share it with us that is telling you that a line is off it's number sampling which is the size of the data i'm looking at and it's standard deviation meaning that an even point spread record would be the mean the mean is zero we can deviate from that mean on a positive side or a negative side. But we believe... You're talking about, we, sorry, historically how this team has been performing relative to the spread? Correct. Okay. So if, it, if, it, if a team has is, is been outperforming for 10 straight weeks... Then the public's, per, the public's yeah. perception of that team is that, well, geez, this line's only sitting at, at five. I mean, this team's at least, uh, uh, at least a touchdown, if not 10 points better than this team. 
people's perception of teams is their most recent memory of how this team is playing. And that's so that's driven by how this team has been doing against the spread. Correct. Yes. Not just wins and losses, but but most importantly, versus the spread. And that's what's driving the opinion of the betters. That's what drives the opinion of the betters. So, so, So if this team has covered the spread eight out of the last 10 games, right? Hey, People they're are- hot. This team is good. You know, they're going to continue to roll. Now, I also want to throw out there that that for whatever the reason, there is some data that's non-conforming, meaning that if you go and look at point spread records of every team in the, in the NFL last year, you'll see a lot of nine eights, a lot of eight nines, a lot of 10 sevens, seven tens some 11.6s, some 6.11s, but most of them are in that range. And then you'll see a couple that were, say, 12 and 5 or 5 and 12 or 13 and 4, 4 and 13. Right. And, and wouldn't that normally be driven by, if, if a team goes 12 and 5 against the spread in a particular year, I would just generally guess that the team ended up being far better that year than was expected going into the season. Wouldn't that be the rule that, of thumb? That's a fair assessment. But if you look at the the 32 teams uh, in the NFL, they are the minority. Most of the teams are going to fall within that 8, 9, 9, and 8 range to the 6, 11, 11, 6 range. So anything outside of that is what we call nonconforming. Okay. And- so not, all, not all teams conform to the data. It's just the way it is. Some teams are more likely to conform and come back to the mean. I I could use the old coin flip adage that if you flip a coin 10 times, it could very likely come up heads eight times and tails two times. But if well, and by the way, I would use that same analogy to 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 question this rationale, because anytime if you take 32 teams and we flip a coin 17 times for each team to replicate 17 games, right? right? So you and I just do a little experiment where we say, okay, here's let's come up with 32 teams. I'm going to flip a coin for each one of them 17 times. And you're going to get some that are eight and nine, nine and eight, eight and nine, nine and eight. Right. And you're going to get some that are five and 12 and four and 13. I mean, that's your standard deviation of randomness is going to happen. So if that could happen with a coin flip, what's the difference between it happening in a coin flip and happening in real life? I got an answer for that, Jim, is because when you see that that uh, imbalance happen in the coin flip, the coin doesn't change. It doesn't become weighted to one side or the other. That's what keeps a coin flip random. But when you're talking about a point spread, it becomes weighted because to get the same amount of money balanced on each team, it's based on the public's perception of that. So even though a team may only be five points better than the other team, the public's perception of that game may be they're seven, eight points better than that team. Mm -hmm. So that's what weights the coin. And that's where we get our advantage. Right. So the question is, what is it that that causes the perception? You know, is it, Simply a team and how they've done versus the spread in the past, or are there other things driving perception? Perceptions are based on your most recent memories of a team, and that's what weights the coin. Okay, and when you say recent memories, how far back do you consider recent memory to be? Well, I mean, that depends on the individual, but but most people, it's 
it's last week it has the higher percentage of memory the week before that the week before that we could keep going on back we could even go into which i do go even into last season or possibly even the season before that uh everybody's memory processes differently but it all counts for something you know i'm not going to give you the exact percentages but i can tell you that last week's games are the most recent memories in people's betting minds this week Mm -hmm. So just to cut to the chase and keep it real simple, you would say that looking last week at who had extraordinary performances, which is going to cause people to skew or, or extraordinarily bad performances, of course, that's going to skew people's thinking going into this week. And that might be one, at least one thing you'd be looking at as, as looking at the, the lines being off this week based on last week's performances. Well, I exactly. I, I was taught by people that, that knew this industry uh, much better than I did a long time ago, that, that the, the key to success in this business is getting that edge in the point spread. As long as you can operate with the slightest of edges, over time, that will end up being profitable for you. And so that's exactly what we try to do. Now, you know, do we need to tinker with that a little bit here and there? Yes, I, I think we certainly need to do that. But in its simplest form, it's about having an edge and a point spread. Does it work every game? No. Um, but right. And when we talk about that edge, we're talking about a very minuscule edge is all you need to make the difference, right? So we're not talking about having a touchdown difference in the spread. We're talking about really the, the spread being off as little as one point. And the reason I would say that is just knowing that typically to buy a half point in a game, right? You want to take it from five and a half to six. They right. charge you 10%. Instead of paying 110 to win 100, you got to pay 120, right? right? So that tells you that just one full point which would cost you 130 if you flip it the other way and you were getting a free point what is a, what's the value of a free point right it's 20% so it's essentially if if you had a free point in your direction every game that's like betting 100 to win 110 on every game which means you're going to be a long-term winner exactly and it's even more than that if you're talking about buying on a key number like a 3 so Right. Um, well, yeah. yeah, that's going to cost you more like 20%, 25%. And if a number is off, if they got it at three and a half and it should be at three, well, it's a big yeah. difference. And, and that's why it's it's important to have the, the volume of, of money in play. I mean, does does a mortgage company make money on the, the loans they give for, for mortgages for people to buy houses? What about when mortgage rates were 3%? Is 3% that big of an edge? But the, the mortgage company's still making tons of money, aren't they? I mean, obviously now we're at a point where mortgage rates are you know closer to 8%, but, but nonetheless, it's the same principle. Yeah. Well, v Vegas does pretty well having just a 10% edge, right? Yes, uh, exactly. Taking the extra 10 bucks um, means that they're pretty much guaranteed to win over the long term every season. All right, let's take a break. And then we're going to hit some some random subjects that I want to throw at you, uh, including something I've been hearing about match fixing. I think people are going to want to hear about what's going on in match fixing out there potentially. Uh, we'll be back with Richard Frazier of Fraser Wins on Double Down with Russell.
stage, Budweiser, the king of beers. Now that you've got the beat, there's no need to be discreet. You've captured the mood, right at you. Your mission is to please. You really make it work. And Rise of Bush. It's Lauren the Better, and you're listening to Double Down with Breslow on the Evergreen Podcast Network. Welcome back, everybody, to Double Down with Breslow. We're talking to Richard Frazier of FrazierWins.com. Andy Capper, extraordinaire, long time in the business, and now for the first time in a long time, his picks can be available to you and just go on phrasewins.com. Are you still, what are you doing this weekend? Are you giving out free picks this weekend or people got to pay? Uh, I am. I'll give, I am giving out free picks. All right. So what, 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 what do they need to do to, to see your picks for this weekend? Uh, you just go to phrasewins.com and uh, go to the subscribe uh, button and put your email address in there and confirm and you'll get the picks for free. And just to be clear, uh, Rich is not a sponsor of this show. He pays nothing for this. He's just uh, our favorite guy to talk about, to, to talk to when it comes to sports handicapping. So just to cover some uh, random things I made some notes about, I think I texted you about this. I, I, I heard that match fixing in China is actually very common. So I'd like you to tell me what you know about that. And, and then what is the risk that it could also be happening here in America? Well, I, I can tell you that I don't know much about Max fixing in, in China itself. I have not read that article. But in terms of what's going on in, in American sports now, and we'll stick with the NBA as the, or the NFL as the subject matter, um, I, I do see some strange things happening uh, now. And, and I, I would I would always hate to think that the integrity of the sport would be compromised for the sake of money, but it seems that everything else in our society is compromised for money. Uh, so so why not sports? The the leagues would be the first to tell you that they're in the entertainment business. Uh, you have the UFC, who we would like to think that all these are you know, straight up matches, they're square, there's a line on the game and on the match. And, uh, but, but the UFC is owned by the same company that owns the WWE, which is scripted wrestling. So if the, if the question is, are, is the, the, the professional sports, is there a chance that they're being scripted? Not scripted per se, but I wouldn't rule out the possibility of uh, referees throwing a few more flags on one team the, than the other. And I, I hate to say things like this, but I have to go back to last year, two games that, that most people that are sports fans should remember is the, the AFC championship game between Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. 
where they continued to call penalties on the Bengals when the Chiefs had the ball and to give Kansas City first downs to never give Joe Burrow the ball back with a chance to win the game, which in my mind would have been a great ending for an AFC championship game. I said, well, that could be a one-off. It could be a fluke. But, but then we get to the Super Bowl. And the exact same thing happened with Kansas City and, and Philadelphia, where uh, Kansas City went for, I, I believe it was a, four, a fourth down play, and they they called a, a holding penalty on Philadelphia in the uh, in the backfield in the uh, by a uh, by a defensive back on on a ball that was completely overthrown, and they never gave Jalen Hurts and and the Eagles a chance to to come back and win that game. Now, is that game fixed? By no means am I implying that the NFL fixes games, but even on the the key games, whether we're talking about a Sunday night game or a Monday night game, I do see a little bias or a little favoritism. There's there's times on Sunday. Monday night where even the announcers will bring up the fact that can you believe that there's been 10 penalties called on one team and none no penalties being called on the other so yeah. I, I do think things may be being influenced a little bit to create the drama that's necessary to bring in the viewers because we all know that the ad money is what fuels all this Ad money is only going to be behind games that are entertaining. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, anything done at a league level would be extremely risky, dangerous, et cetera. So I, I, I can't imagine the league is doing anything because if it were to ever be exposed, I mean, the damage it would do would be would be incredible so uh, but no, nobody is getting accused of it at the league level if and people have been accused of it at the officiating level it's been yeah it's been i mean what i'm willing to believe is that a one-off official could be getting paid something and we've seen that before the, the one that comes to mind was the nba official which is going on 10 or 15 years ago now that was that was busted um so individual actors getting paid to to fix that seems certainly possible to me i mean what do you have about 10 referees out there per game in the nfl yeah yeah. yeah. So, you know, paying off uh, all it takes is one of them to be paid off to possibly skew a game. And then, of course, you've got all the players and all of this fantasy sports and not just fantasy, but also regular sports betting, which is based on individual results, means that an individual has a lot more power than they normally have. You know, if you're one out of 22 players on a football field, uh, you've got limited ability to change the outcome of a game. But if it's all about how many receiving yards you're going to have and it's over under 77, and your team's already winning the game to drop a couple passes to go under, you know, that wouldn't be too hard. Well, I, I agree 100%. And, you know, again, being that I live in Vegas, uh, you know, 10 years ago, none of these sports league would touch Vegas with a 10 foot pole. They weren't even, Vegas wasn't even allowed to buy ad time on, on an NFL game. We, uh, they, they sued Las Vegas for, for using the term Super Bowl party. You know, mm -hmm. and and now that that gambling is legal, now they can't get enough of Vegas and, and the gambling companies like DraftKings, FanDuel, they're the official betting company of of these sports leagues. They're the official betting uh, uh, partner of some of the sports teams. 
So it's amazing how quick this all changes. Yeah. And what's odd about it is the opposition from the leagues to sports gambling was always that it was going to cons- could impact uh, the efficacy of, of the games, of the outcomes. That's what they yeah. were concerned about. And yet here we have them totally now embracing it, yet no longer they have any concern that it's affecting the outcomes. What happened to that concern? <laughs> what Did it turn out to be totally made up? Or is, in fact, the concern real and it's happening, and but we're, it's not being pointed out to us? Well, I, I think it's the answer to that's very simple. I believe it's the money. Uh, the, the money is too great. The sponsorship money from the gambling, the fact that uh, the Super Bowl is being held in Vegas. Vegas has become a hotbed for sports now, whether you're talking about the Golden Knights whether you're talking about even a lousy Raider team has the highest average ticket price in the NFL. Uh, but it's it's uh, it's recession proof for Vegas because they don't put these these teams in the surrounding neighborhoods. They put them smack dab on the strip where they, they have all the foot traffic and uh, Raider games. Yeah, you're lucky if 50 percent of the fans there are rooting for the Raiders. Now, the Golden Knights, on the other hand, because they won the Stanley Cup last year, obviously there's more Golden Knight fans there. But yeah, these these ticket prices for these games are outrageous because I know a number of people that just buy season tickets for the purpose of reselling. Mm-hmm. Everything's on a resale uh, on the resale market out here. Everything's a secondary market. And w- w- what is the latest with Vegas getting uh, basketball or baseball? Uh, the the basketball is going to happen as soon as the NBA announces uh, expansion, which should be within the next year. Vegas is going to be one of the teams that's going to get it. Uh, the biggest fight out here right now is which ownership group is going to get the rights to that team. And where would they play? There's uh, there, there's a few different options. Bill Foley said the owner of the Golden Knights would like to have them play at T-Mobile Arena where the, the Golden Knights play, but there's a there's a couple other groups that that want to build their own arenas. Yeah, that's a that's an ongoing fight. And it, it, so it would probably happen with an expansion, which would be a two team expansion. And yes. what other city is being talked about? Uh, I've heard that uh, that Seattle's being talked about to get a team again. And then what about on the baseball side? Uh, the baseball side, the uh, you know everything is pretty much signed sealed delivered for the Oakland A's to move here there's a there's a few little legal hurdles that they have to get through yet i'd be shocked if this deal didn't get done and where uh, would that and where would that where would they play they're going to tear down the uh the tropicana hotel if you know the outlay of vegas uh, yeah that's right on the corner of uh tropicana and vegas boulevard right across from mgm exactly so it's basically across the street from t-mobile arena and kind of caddy corner across from allegiance stadium so well you've also got that empty lot next to it that infamously hosted the the country music festival where the shooting took place exactly exactly which that which was, now is owned by is doesn't the the county own that property now uh they they sold it to a third party that that property would be i believe that would be backed up against the uh the side of the stadium 
Mm-hmm. That property was directly across the street from Mandalay Bay, which is three casinos down from that intersection. Right. I'm just thinking there isn't much between Tropicana and the end of that block, right? There's yeah. the big empty thing where the festival was, and I'm not sure what else there is there. But anyways, there's a lot of land clearly enough there to, to build a baseball stadium, which would be what? Retractable roof? I don't uh, I don't even know if it's going to be retractable or not. Uh, I, I because since it's a baseball stadium, I, I, I'm not sure about the details of that, but it, we definitely know it's going to be covered that we do yeah. know. Yeah. Well, I just uh, I went to game five of the World Series in Arizona and uh, it was a good game for about six innings and then it then it turned. But uh, I, I had been at the Diamondback Stadium a year prior and in September, and I'm telling you, there was about 500 people at the game <laughs> the year prior. Well, one, I, one year later, they got a World Series. Going I, I'm sure Major League Baseball was having a cardiac arrest when uh, Arizona got into the World Series because of, uh, you know, just just, just yeah. the lack of support or lack of interest in the uh, the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Well, you know, it is a good sized city, but, um, and I will say this, I having been at the game that I would say at least a solid 80% were rooting for Arizona. Um, and you know, as you point out, sometimes you can see that as low as, you know, 50% in some of these stadiums. So they had a good turnout, certainly for the world series. And obviously it's going to help their attendance, uh, for next year. I had some fun trying to buy the tickets for the game because I thought the prices were going to be dropping as, as it got closer to game time. I'm, you know, I was drinking at a bar across the street, checking out StubHub. And I was thinking, oh, they're down 3-1. The interest level is going to be waning and so on. And instead, prices just kept going up and up and up right up until the first pitch. And then eventually they were out of tickets. My brother got shut out. He didn't go. I ended up paying. I planned on paying 500 bucks for a halfway decent seat. Ended up costing me 950 for a halfway decent seat uh, for game five. Welcome to the secondary market resellers. Yeah. Well, I, I love it, though, because it's a it's a perfect free market. It's all about supply and demand. And the night before, it was game four, but it was Halloween night. And I think that people really didn't anticipate that, oh, for Halloween night, that's keeping a lot of people home because they're taking their kids around or whatever. They're not going to go to the game on, on Halloween night. This game ended up being the game in most demand, in part because it was a Wednesday night. You know, Monday night, Tuesday night, people aren't you know getting the week start or whatever. Gets to Wednesday, they're realizing this is the last home game last chance to go see a World Series game, and all of a sudden demand was through the roof. Well, what bothers me about it the most is that, you know, Ticketmaster handles the majority of these events, and Ticketmaster sells directly to the resellers. And so Ticketmaster gets their face value for it. Now, the reseller has the option of taking that ticket and selling it privately or listing it back on Ticketmaster, and then they split the profits with Ticketmaster. Yeah, well, that that would be a great whole other subject. It sounds like you know uh, a decent amount about that. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a big ticket purchaser, whether it be for sporting events or concerts, and I'm always fascinated to see how the prices move. And yeah, you see a lot of weird stuff as far as things being on StubHub that then go on Ticketmaster, and there, there's a lot of shenanigans going on behind the scenes on ticket sales these days. Definitely. But finishing up the uh, the sports aspect of, of Las Vegas, there, there are no parking lots for any of these arenas or stadiums. You have to park in the casino 
uh, parking garages, which obviously benefits the casinos because you have to park in their garage, walk through the casino to get to the uh, facility where you want to see the game. So yeah, yeah, not 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 the best for tailgating, but uh, great for the casinos for people to be drinking there before and after the game. Well, exactly. I'll be out there soon to see the new Sphere and see you two at the Sphere. December 9. December 9. I'll, I'll put that in my calendar. Yeah, put it in your calendar. We'll, we'll, we'll have a beer. All right, buddy. Thanks again for coming on. Richard Frazier of FrazierWins.com. F-R-A-Z Wins.com. Go check it out. Get his free picks for this weekend. I think he's going to be on a roll. I know you've hit uh, four out of your last six. That's correct. I've been watching. I appreciate it, Jim. All right. And thank you, everyone, for watching and listening to Double Down with Russell. We'll be back soon with another great interview. Take care of you.